0: Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky LuckyLandslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, oh, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode 131 of the Salvaggio and Cry Sports Podcast. Here for you again on another Wednesday night, 7.17 p.m. We just had a trade drop in the NHL, which we'll get to in a little while once we get to hockey after some quick moments of the week, and we might have another big trade dropping with uh, one of the teams involved, involving one of the biggest players on the market, but just speculation for now, Um, but exciting start. But before we get into everything, as I always do, Ryan, how are we feeling tonight?
1: I'm doing well. I was going to ask you, because like you said, you seem pretty excited right before you hit the uh, button to go live here. So I was going to ask what you uh, what you were seeing, if it was anything pertaining to the Bruins or you kind of gave a little bit of a hint of a potential big name. But uh, I don't know what's going on there. I don't know if you want to jump right into that or we'll do moments of the week and then kind of do whatever this potential trade is. that's going to drop during the hockey segment.
2: Yeah, we can do moments of the week first. Mine's really quick Uh, for anybody who didn't see the Titans released like everyone today. Uh, four of their better players, Taylor Lewan, Robert Woods, Randy Bullock, and Zach Cunningham were all released, freeing up about $38 million in cash space and $42.22 in cash. Um, pretty nuts. Got to wonder if you know, a few of these guys could be future Patriots maybe too, maybe Lewan on the O-line, Robert Woods, or uh, Zach Cunningham, who we all know Belichick
1: likes at the linebacker position. Uh, I'd take any one of them personally. That was going to be my question. I had a buddy of mine asking the same thing. If I take um, particularly Robert Woods and I couldn't remember exactly off the top of my head, what kind of year he had, I have to assume it was a down year with no quarterback. So I don't know how willing I'd be able to bring him in. Luan, I'd absolutely do all for obvious reasons, just because the offensive line is such a sieve. Um, He was really, to me, not the surprising one, because I feel like he came out a couple weeks ago, didn't he? And was like, I'm going to get released. So expect that to happen. So um, the Woods one was a little surprising. Bullock cunningham same thing but um robert woods is pumped he yeah i saw that on twitter he was he tweeted out free or whatever it was so i guess good for him that he gets a chance now to figure out where he wants to go um but yeah surprising uh but as we know the titans as we'll get into with nfl free agency and stuff a little later on down the line week wise um the titans i feel like i think were what they were pretty strapped for cash anyway so these moves make some sense but uh, definitely some things to figure out with them moving forward
2: yeah, absolutely. A retool going on right here. Um, Yours is about Joe Mazzulla and the Celtics.
1: Yeah, uh, this broke, I think, the Friday before the All-Star break, or kind of as teams are transitioning to the All-Star break, we finally have some clarity on the next head coach of the Boston Celtics. Of course, Joe Mazzulla was coaching with the interim tag uh, since the start of the season that led not a ton, but there was still a little bit of rumblings of, of uh, Ime Odoka's name, you know, if... Why is Missoula still the interim? Does that give Ime a chance to come back? Obviously, we heard or saw that the the Nets were interested in him, um, but they ended up signing their interim head coach long-term. So Celtics do the same thing with Joe Missoula. I'm happy for it. I'm glad they did it. Um, Did it take a little long? Yeah, but I think Brad Stevens, he had a good answer for that Um, when he was asked about it. He said on the decision, as far as the timing, I want to give them uh, the opportunity to finish the season strong and not be in a cloud of uncertainty. Like I said, I would have liked it a little sooner just because of how great a season Joe Missoula has had. You and I, I think, both picked him to be the coach of the year when we did our NBA um preseason predictions. So far, he's lived up to that with the Celtics having the best record in, in basketball. Um, but I'm glad they got this cleared up. You know, God forbid the Celtics did struggle down the stretch, or maybe they went into the playoffs um and some things didn't go their way. And you know, maybe there was some thought of the players thinking if we don't play well, maybe Joe's not going to get the head term or head coach tenure. Um, maybe Missoula would have thought himself that he might be coaching on the hot seat a little bit. I'm glad this is all cleared up now and they made the right decision, obviously with the success he's had and just the abundance of praise the players have had for him throughout the season.
2: Yeah. I mean, it was just a matter of time, unless things went catastrophically wrong, glad they, you know, Mm -hmm. can put this matter aside and, you know, leave any speculation uh, to the side as well. And, you know, Joe Missoula is the guy. So Works for me. Well, works for me, too.
1: No, I mean, we've seen here and there some some rookie mistakes, but those are getting, I feel feel like, fine-tuned out. Obviously, the guy has an all-star game under his belt now, so got to celebrate that a little bit. And then, of course, like I said, the name and the head coach capped off, which was a pretty good weekend for him. And then for the Celtics, not as a whole, but two Celtics stars, as we'll get to a little later, um, probably to end the show tonight, we'll finish with Celtics. Um, but Bruins, of course, to start, and then Red Sox mixed in as well.
2: Yep. Absolutely, we do have some Celtic stuff like Brian said as well with the all star break and all that jazz. But, um, we're on to hockey first tonight. We're going to start with the trade rumors instead of the uh the Bruins stuff. We've had a couple trades go down today. We had Dyson Mayo go to from Arizona to Vegas for a Shea Weber's contract and a 2023 fifth. Um, this just frees up cap space on the long term IR for Vegas. Um, he had Weber had a $7.857 million cap hit through 25-26, but his actual salary is $1 million per year starting next season. So it's a low-cash transaction for Arizona, but Vegas can now look at acquiring uh, not just now but beyond this season, so huge for Vegas. That was Pierre, uh, Pierre Lebrun. I wonder if this is just to help with getting Robert Laner off a long-term IR next year when he's back or maybe make a run at Timo Meyer. They've been in the weeds on Meyer, so maybe something like that is in the works, maybe a lower-scale move. Uh, just to add some scoring depth with Mark Stone now in long term IR. Um and the Chicago Blackhawks just about 20 minutes ago um acquired Nikita Zaitsev along with the twenty twenty three second and the twenty twenty sixth fourth from the uh from the Ottawa Senators in exchange for uh future considerations to take on that contract. Um and it looks like the Blackhawks might not be done. My thought process when first seeing this was going to be Kane but uh Chief from Barstool saying saying um, he thinks another Blackhawks trade could get done tonight. It involves a playoff team, does not involve Kane. Bigger than the Ottawa deal, nothing confirmed. Um, I thought it was going to involve Patrick Kane and um, another Barstool guy who claims he's not an insider but was uh, breaking the details of the Vladimir Tarasenko trade when it happened before a lot of people um, was first on it. Avery Ceretsky, uh tweeted a gif of Kane like he did for Tarasenko and the last time. So me thinks the Rangers uh, might have something in the works on Patrick Kane. We'll see though, knowing our luck, it'll drop at like nine 30 tonight. Yeah. Probably 10 um, minutes after we get off. If that. Yeah. If I had to guess um, maybe we'll see a trade involving Sam Lafferty or Jake McCabe drop, maybe Connor Murphy, just a few players to throw out there for Chicago, but looks like Chicago might not be done. I don't think these are guys that uh, blow smoke or anything guys who, you know, will claim to not be insiders, but um, have shown they have some intel in the past. So I think it's worth mentioning. Um, but yeah, I mean, things are starting to heat up a little bit. We've had some trades over the past couple of weeks, but um, yeah, the the senators have been trying to get rid of Zaitsev for a while. So it makes a lot of sense. Other trade rumors, um, starting with the, you know, most recent big trade um, about probably three or four days ago now, which was Ryan O'Reilly and Nolichari uh, to the, Toronto Maple Leafs, which isn't great, mainly for Achari. I yeah, mean, I was gonna O'Reilly's say kind of kicking the balls. Obviously, the better player, but um, Achari ends up with the team he was negotiating signing with apparently um, this off season in the Leafs. Uh, he ends up there. I wanted him back with the Bruins, but that's okay. You know, shit happens. But uh, they get O'Reilly and uh, and Achari in that big deal. They get O'Reilly under two million dollars, which is pretty absurd. Um, and look, the Leafs didn't give up a lot in this deal. Um, they really didn't. They have Adam Gaudette, who's a fringe NHLer, Mikhail Abramov, who maybe cracks an NHL roster someday, but is not like a game-breaking prospect. Decent prospect. Um, they trade their 2023 first, which is big. Uh, 2023 third from Ottawa that they had, and a 2024 second. Um, they also just got Josh Pilar, who's a fourth-round pick from two years ago from. Uh, Minnesota for free not really sure why and uh, Minnesota acquired a fourth round pick for that uh, for their troubles for you know retaining a little bit on O'Reilly yeah I think the the Leafs made out like bandits here not really sure why uh, the Blues couldn't have gotten more but I mean there's a lot going on with money and stuff here so I guess it makes sense Um, pretty crazy trade though what did
1: you think about this one same as you, from what you told me and from what I saw, just kind of the same thing on social media, obviously not knowing a ton about what was going back for the players that Toronto got. It seemed like it was not as hefty of a price as it maybe should have been. Um, I you know I had this, we've talked about this plenty of times with to Toronto, I'm going to sound like a broken record, uh, but I had the same conversation with my grandfather the other day where he's like, oh, you know, maybe this is the year Toronto, they seem to be loading up know, um, they're making some good moves. And I'm like, it, it's the same thing. I told him, I go, Mike and I talked about, talk about this all the time. I say they like the Yankees of hockey. It, you can make all the moves you want, but get over the hump and, you know, prove it in the playoffs and prove you can win. And then maybe I'll be impressed or be, uh, be worried by you. I mean, Ryan O'Reilly, he obviously gave the Bruins trouble in that Stanley Cup run a couple of years ago. He's a great player. We know what Achari brings to the table, but again, like it's Toronto, you can load up, you know, when you get over the hump, then maybe I'll, you know, bat an eyelash or something like that at you, but good move for that, you know, for, for what they got. But again, kind of wait and see mo with the uh with the maple Leafs as always yeah it's not a guaranteed uh move that pushes them over the hump no they're
2: i mean they're most likely facing tampa at this rate so mm-hmm. uh good luck to them in their you know adventure there
1: yeah let the those Rangers... two teams beat themselves up or beat each other yeah. up and then limp through the playoffs that'll work cool, cool with me while well, the bruins
2: mm-hmm. wait for a wild card battle to settle itself late this season we have no idea who they're gonna play at this rate no. um Rangers reacquire Tyler Mott again, this time for Julian Gauthier and a conditional seventh round pick. Uh, Ottawa will get the better of the Rangers in Jets' 6th round picks this year if the Rangers win a round, or else it'll just be a seventh. Um, decent deal. Another guy I wanted for the Bruins, but, like, it's whatever. Um, ideally, a guy that can play center if they get anyone in the bottom six. He can't, but he's just one of the guys I liked for, you know, what he brings in terms of how hard he works. You know, typical nitty-gritty bottom six guy type of stuff. He goes back to the Rangers. Nice little uh, shrewd pickup for them. And then the biggest one, I mean, it looks like the Bruins and the Blue Jackets, unfortunately, have a deal <laughs> in place involving Vladislav Gavrikov with salary needing to be freed up on the Bruins end. It looks like Craig Smith is in the mix. Carolina has asked about him. Uh, Mike Riley was thrown out there as well by Elliot Friedman today. Um, all signs pointing to Massachusetts from Elliot Freeman this morning. Um, he also mentioned uh, in that same article, he doesn't think Boston is doing it on Jacob Chikrin. So I don't know if that completely puts the kibosh on things, but I'd say it's about 99% there. He's, you can never rule it out. I'll give it a little 1%. But at this point, I don't know about you. I'm hoping nobody will help the Bruins and this trade falls flat because I do not think it's worth it for a guy that is not like a surefire top four defenseman on this team, not a surefire upgrade and almost undoubtedly a rental. And if they traded for him he wasn't a rental, I would be even more upset. <laughs> so there's really no win for me here. Um, I just have to accept it unless it falls through the cracks.
1: Yeah. You and I have talked about this off air before and you keep bringing it up to me. Then you've said it on the show too, that you think it would take probably a first round pick to get him or that's what at least that first the, the black. Third. Yeah. That's what they're asking for. And I, I thought about it more today specifically too. And then obviously seeing these rumors, um, if it's going to take a first round pick and more, obviously, like you said, a third, you know, me, I don't know, maybe a player, maybe not. Wouldn't you rather just kind of take that first round pick and try to go all in on Chikrin? Like if you're going to give up a first round pick and then kind of the thing too, like you said, you don't know going to be able to crack the top four, like say they do trade for Gavrov, like who's the, or Gavrikov, who's the defenseman that gets knocked out, especially on the left side, that gets knocked out of the, the starting lineup. Like, is it, yeah it's See a guy that replaces forbert like i imagine clifton
2: go i imagine grizzlik moves to the right gavrikov slots into the top four in Grizzlick's spot and clifton sits which okay it just doesn't it, make sense it really no, doesn't
1: clifton's played really well like we've talked about i think before that clifton's having or is in the midst of a career year he's been excellent um definitely better than we thought he was going to be this season to take taking pretty big steps forward like again chikrin's the the pricier tag here but i feel like he would be the not smarter move, maybe not the smarter move, but you know, you, you know what I'm getting out the, the the easier move to make that would like fit into the lineup better. Cause obviously like we talked about before, you're going to have to give up a guy like a Grizzlik. Um, you know, Carlos names throwing thrown around. I feel like, is, is that a guy you want to move? But again, like you got to give to get, so he'd be the easier guy to fit in right into the lineup. Like Gavrikov, I feel like kind of convolutes things. And again, like you said, if the asking price is a first round pick, I would rather, if you're gonna go all in on somebody, go in on the guy that you know is gonna be a, a surefire thing in, in Chikrin.
2: Yeah, I totally get where you're coming from there. Um, it's just it's just not necessary. I just mm. keep coming back to it, and at this point, I'm hoping you know Sweeney gets frustrated and backs out and goes and gives up a third round pick for Luke Shen at this rate. Like, yeah, I take gonna that get somebody, absolutely. Like, do that. I I really hope this falls through the cracks. Um there's a good chance it might, because in a situation like this, the GM trying to move salary doesn't have much leverage. So it's going to be tough for Don Sweeney. True. Uh, yep. But you know, the reports were this weekend, this past weekend that there is a deal in place and they're just sorting out financials. Um, Elliot Freeman described it as very weird today. So like, it seems like.
1: There is a sticking point. It seems like yeah. there is light at the end of the York tunnel of not wanting this deal to get done. Um you know, I was thinking it's like the last couple of trade deadlines, Don Sweeney hasn't steered this team wrong before, obviously getting Lindholm, obviously getting hauled two two years ago, I think it was. Um. You know, maybe I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Like maybe he'll he'll pull a rabbit out of his hat and not have to give up a ton to get this guy. But I don't know where to kind of be at with this right now. Like I'm with you. I just, if it's going to take this much, I'm not in favor of this deal by any means. I'm 100% on the same boat you are of. go out. We've talked about this two or three shows in a row now. Go out and get – uh, a lesser player for a lesser um, value of going back, whatever you want to call it, um, and just kind of figure out how you're going to slot guys in that way. Yeah. And, like, I think people forget,
2: too, like, Zaborro hasn't played a game since, like, November. You still have him just, like, waiting it's in the wings.
1: Not going to lie, I kind of forgot about him. So
2: Yeah, like, you have Zaborro, you have Mike Riley, you have Jack Ashon, you have Anton Strowman, you're fine. I, I just – I really – can't stress enough how much they don't need to make this deal they don't even really need luke shen that bad but i'd rather do that at this point he mm-hmm. is the latest to sit out for trade related reasons he's back in vancouver uh we'll see what happens there uh yeah other than that they're potentially in on meyer i really don't see a scenario where they trade for Timo meyer that would be berserk though mm-hmm. um He's one of the guys like chicken that might cost two first round picks to get. Um, I think that's like one of the sticking points in chicken right now. They're trying to yep. get two first round picks uh, for him. I don't see the Bruins ending up with Meyer. So if you're getting your hopes up out there. I really wouldn't. I just don't see a scenario where they get him. I think Meyer ends up in New Jersey or St. Louis at this rate, which is interesting because St. Louis is all of a sudden in the mix. They're like, we got three first round picks, some cap space, Let's give up one or two of them to get a, you know, another score to play with guys like Kyru and Thomas. I like after... it and I don't like it. Cause like you're rebuilding, but like, yeah, I
1: was just going to ask that after training, away. That accelerates your... your
2: rebuild. Okay. So I mean, is very sense, good. I so I get it, but I don't know. It'd be, it'd be a, it'd be a power move though, to see them go this way. Mm-hmm. Uh Keep in mind too, they might be getting a first round pick for Barbashev as well. I don't know if they will at this rate, but uh, that'd be pretty interesting if the you know the Blues just pull a little prank here and be like, "Oh yeah, you think we're re- re- ugh, we're rebuilding? know Punk Twister." Psych, not really. Um, but yeah, I think the Bruins are still on a, on Barbashev as well. Same thing for me with him. I really don't want to you know give up a lot for him unless the price is right. I'm still in the camp a cheap fourth line center like Nick Bugstad or Nick Bonino for like a fourth round pick. And I'm good, but we shall see what happens. That's really the latest on trade rumors. We'll keep you posted. If anything drops, it looks like, like we said earlier, Chicago might have another uh, move in the, in the works, not involving Patrick Kane. We'll see where that ends up going. Uh, but onto Bruins related matters outside of the trade deadline. Um, they're back to their old ways. Nashville, on the 16th, five nothing win. Jeremy Swayman has now stopped all 70 shots he's faced in two career starts against the Preds. Uh, this was one to forget for Jeremy Lozon. I don't know if you uh, watched this game, but Jeremy Lozon had a uh, had a had a rough one.
1: Was not great. Yeah, I mean that re not reassured. I'm not gonna say reassuring because again, you don't need to go out and make a move or anything like that. But like one of uh, not the the greatest of times. I feel like a lot of people thought maybe this was a type of tryout game for him too, or a showcasing game. Um, so not the the greatest, like I said, showcase for Lausanne by any means.
2: Yeah, I mean, he just he just really had a tough time in this one. Uh, but it was to the fortune of the Bruins, you know, got got Craig Smith on the board in this one. Um, he overcommitted on the Marshawn goal, which you know gave him the room for that uh, odd man rush. A nice pass from Lindholm to Bergeron on the Bergeron goal this was just a, it was, it was a pretty game for the Bruins. Um, mm-hmm. I think the forward goal deflected off of Bergeron um, our lows on. So if that's the case, that just adds to it. And uh, Trent Frederick just added one off of a spinorama that uh, I can't believe Nick Felino is doing at this rate, given what we saw last year. I know it's been almost like a full season now, but I still can't believe Nick Felino is doing some of the stuff he's doing. Cause I just thought that was, you know, not going to happen ever. Mm-hmm. Like, I expected at this point in the year to, for him to be the guy being shots for cap space versus Craig Smith. So, yeah, I mean, the the year of Nick Felino or uncle Nick continues. Um, I thought Jakob Lauko was solid in this
1: game. He got, you know, some people think it's a showcase. I got him. I was going to, when you finished your point, but I'm just going to jump out in front of it now. I completely mixed up him and Lozon forgot Lozon doesn't play for the Bruins anymore and got, Oh shit. Lauko, yeah. We both missed it. I'm like, he's not going to correct me on this, that Lausanne does not play for the Bruins. He plays for Nashville. Um, he and I was exactly thinking, for Nashville. And I was thinking of Lauco. So just to clear that up in case anyone was listening and was All like, he letters, has you know? no idea what this guy's talking about. So <laughs> carry on. But,
2: yeah, I mean, Lauco had s- some moments. I, had a, um, I liked a couple shifts from him in particular. Maybe, you know, he's a guy that is a trade asset. You know, maybe they're giving him a little showcase to see, you know, what teams think of him. But uh, the Bruins handled this one uh pretty pretty handily and uh this will help the predators make their decision on whether to be a buyer or seller literate buyer or seller or a little easier mm-hmm. um next up they had the islanders kind of a team in the similar mindset as the predators in a way and the bruins beat the crap out of them too um six to two win all mark makes 26 days and 28 shots and jake de scores right away coming back for injury because of course he does
1: yep you could have seen that coming from a mile away like yeah. Like I said, that use use him as your big quote unquote big traded line edition get him back in the lineup. Obviously it's exactly. paid dividends the last two games he's been out there. Um he looked like he just really hasn't missed any time at all. So great to obviously have Debrusque back and and doing what he's done so well this season. Amen, dude. I'm right there with you. Thank um you. three goals in as
2: in uh two games for Fredward, Fredward Benson. He's another guy like Felino. You know, not quite on the same level I didn't expect this type of season from, but he's buzzing this year, Um, really doing good in an RFA contract year for himself. So that's something to monitor. And Patrice Bergeron uh, goes baseball mode and scores. Wicked goal. Yeah, that was just a classic goal that, you know, Bergeron could score. That's just how he is. And, uh, yeah, the Bruins just dominate the Islanders and make them look foolish. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Would you like to see? Absolutely. Um, then you have Ottawa. On President's Day, I was there um, with a friend of the program, Michael Collins. Shout out. Um, Olmark plays back-to-back, well, not nights, but back-to-back games. Uh, 30 saves on 31 shots. DeBras scores again, two, uh, two goal, uh, two-game goal, two goal streak for him coming out of the injury. Um, Drew scores late in the first to put a little damper on, but Postock wanted to score number 40 and number 41 with um, a sick play through the legs by McAvoy to create that uh, first assist to pasta. And then he just makes a spinning stretch pass from his knees um, to assist number 41 on the season for Pasternak. Not the you know flashiest offensive game, but outside of, you know, in terms of like high scoring, I bet the over lost, um, but it was, you know, a good solid effort for the Bruins and a fun game. Um, yeah. I mean, just taking care of business
1: absolutely good good to see him open it up a little bit too because obviously Ottawa was what oh and or 2-0 against the Bruins this season one of the weird stats and the the Senators for some reason always seem to play the Bruins tough and the Bruins always seem to struggle with them but good to see like I said that game open up a little bit late and yeah and posture not get going again not slumping by any means but the goals had kind of fallen off a little bit of late late, I feel like so good to see him obviously get to 40 and then pot a, a pretty nasty one from uh from McAvoy
2: yep third 40 goal season of his career um, it was a big win, too, because, like, you know, the Senators can give them fits, but I think the Senators won, like, eight or nine of their last ten. Yeah, wins. they were so hot the coming in, I remember hearing,
1: awesome. yeah, the broadcast say, so.
2: Yeah, it makes the uh, wild card race for that second spot a lot more interesting if Ottawa can keep stacking up some wins here. We could have, like, a four or five-man race for that second wild card spot. Uh would be pretty nuts. But um, up next, it's a road trip. Seattle, Vancouver, Edmonton, and Calgary. Starts with Seattle. Uh, you face Jordan Eberle and the Kraken. He leads the team with 45 points, 57 games. Uh, you're going to notice a trend here with these teams. They've lost six of their last 10. Then you got Vancouver two nights later. Elias Pedersen pacing them and scoring this year, having a career year, 72 points in 55 games. They've lost seven of their last 10. Um, Anthony Beauvillier has more points uh, since the trade than Bo Horvat, Fun fact. Um, the Edmonton Oilers. Of course, have Connor McDavid has 105 points in 58 games. Um, all I ask for them is to please clear up Cass Base and trade for <laughs> Gavrikov instead of us. That would be yep. cool. Um, they're four, one, and five in their last 10. I don't know how you have five overtime shootout losses in 10 games, but another team that's lost six or seven in the last 10 games. And then you have Calgary, paced by Tofoli and Lynn Humboldt with 59 points this season or uh, 49 points. They have also lost six of the last 10. I don't know what's good with the West. A lot of wounded animals
1: coming into this game, or this uh, upcoming stretch. It's
2: it's very bizarre. The Bruins have them all in a stretch as well. Um, everyone's mid in this portion, so this, these are more potential wins for the Bruins, and mm-hmm. I like their odds in this upcoming stretch. But, you know, for teams like Calgary and Edmonton, trying to hold on to that wild card um, ground they have. These are important games for them in particular, so we'll see what happens. Uh, any thoughts about the upcoming week for you?
1: They haven't done it this year. I mean, we really haven't talked about any sort of trap games or anything like that this season, but this seems like a stretch where, you know, you could get one or two trap games here with these teams struggling, like you said, you know, towards the end of it, Edmonton and Calgary fighting for um, their playoff lives, it seems like. I mean, I don't I don't have any faith that the are not, you know, any – I guess any faith is probably the right way to describe it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think the Bruins are going to fall in any of these games that like, you're not, they're not going to show up for you or anything like that. Um, the one thing, I don't know if we're going to touch on it before we jump into something else. I did see you had it as your, uh, at first your moment of the week before the, the, um, the Titans just decided to go nuclear on their team. Um, but that Nashville game was a pretty nice shutout performance for apparently the Bruins top trade asset, according to some people and Jeremy Swayman. I don't know if you had any thoughts on uh, where that has even remotely, come from or what the deal is there. I don't know why people are of uh, all of a sudden discussing the potential of breaking up the the Swain and Omar combination to go out and get some sort of yeah. trade piece. Like, what, what, the uh, the deal is with that?
2: Yeah, when you've won forty three games at this point of the season, you got to trade one of your goalies.
1: Seems um, like yeah, that's a smart thing does. to do.
2: Yep. Yeah. Um, from I think Mike Millberry planted the seed for Wei talking about like how you know he doesn't want to trade swayman but like he is one of their better assets this is the same conversation I had last year but it still doesn't make sense mm-hmm. i don't know why this even needs to bring be brought up i guess you know having 43 wins in the season isn't enough to talk about i guess on yeah in the radio um and omar just makes no sense i mean the guy might win the triple crown like <laughs> he's literally that's good a enough. guy you definitely want to trade away yeah like, come on. I mean, I'm, I'm not even going to waste a ton of breath. I don't think we should, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, no, I, I just, think, like I said, I, I started anybody your moment of the week, anybody, you know, in the same mindset as us is thinking the same thing, just how ridiculous and mm-hmm. stupid this is. So
1: yeah, it was uh, that too. It was a hot week for WEI. I saw cause they had that as their Bruins main talking point going into the weekend. And then I saw that their midday show graded the Celtics season as a C overall so far. So really slow day at the office for Weei. um, yeah, I we talked about this before, too, when we just talked about, um, you know, making moves for a, you know, a specific player or defense, but not, you know, trading of your goal is. But we talked about, you know, maybe does a trade or doing something at the deadline or not doing something, maybe send the wrong message to the locker room or clubhouse or whatever you want to call it. I feel like this is the type of move, if you trade away Swayman, that you absolutely send the wrong message to the, yes. the clubhouse like that. you Obviously, um, people will say what they want about the, the Swayman and the Omar hugs at the end of the game you can't break that up. You can't make a move like that. I don't care how well Swayman's playing. I don't care how big of an asset or if teams come calling for him. The answer is absolutely no, no chance. You're moving this guy. Um, I don't know why you wouldn't want to run with two phenomenal goalies into the playoffs. And then obviously just turn the thing over to, to Olmark at the end, why you would break that up. I have no idea, um, no, but yeah. just throwing shit against the wall and hoping it would stick and maybe catch some traction and get some people like us talking about it, which it did. So yeah. congrats on that part. But other than that, um, very dumb comments and, Trades that will not be happening.
2: Yeah, it just doesn't make sense at all. Stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, where do we want to go next? On to Red Sox. let Yeah, we'll jump into the Red Sox because
1: or Celtics. The Celtics stuff is mainly just a couple. I don't know how much of the the um, All Star Weekend you caught. Just some reactions to that. I'm going to assume probably not a lot because <laughs> that's that's tends to be the case with the All Star Weekend. We'll save that for last because um, the Red Sox stuff is the more pressing stuff. Is once again John Henry has. Has reared his dumb head to the public and made some really stupid comments that I wanted to discuss. Um, Showed up to Fort Myers, but decided to not meet with the media or not talk to the team at all. So that's a great precedence you set as as the team owner to start the season and a season that might have a little bit of turmoil surrounding it. You don't meet with the team at all. You only meet with a couple of, of media personnel as the athletics. Jen McCaffrey was one of them. Um, and like I said, John Henry said some pretty eye-opening stuff about this. Um, he was asked about being booed. You know, at one thing I saw said Winter Weekend, the other one said the Winter Classic. He was booed at both of them, so I feel like you're just gonna you, you mess it mesh it into uh, to one thing. But the comment that John Henry had, he said there was a false narrative surrounding the club. It really took hold in 2022. Uh, there were even false reports of booing at Fenway Park during Winter Week, the Winter Classic. Uh, I think those factors and those factors and losing Xander to San Diego were the biggest factors. Uh, those are the fans you would believe are the least likely to try and shout us uh, shut us down, uh, but it happened. Did anyone report the standing ovation at the end? So a couple of takeaways I have from that, and I'll get yours in a second. Um, the first one, the false narrative that took place in 2022, we've seen that come out a little bit recently. I feel like Kike Hernandez has been a big proprietor of that. You know, some guys, you know, their frustrations last year. or Some guys, I remember the comment was like got complacent with finishing in last place um, last season. I don't get that. You know, what exactly is the false narrative that took place in 2022? Like I said, that that's the only one I find is, is everyone trying to push that old guys got upset with, you know, how things were being um, handled last season. Like the team was in last place. The GM showed no direction whatsoever. I don't have a problem. If players are questioning, you know, what's going on there um, or, you know, or, you know, what the deal is there. The other one, the, the, um, the one that I'm sure you you found funny as well. Uh, did anyone report on the standing ovation at the end? I don't know if John Henry being at the Winter Classic maybe got the standing ovation that like Bruins players got when they were announced onto the ice. Maybe he thought that was a standing ovation for him for some reason because I can't imagine anyone in their right mind would give John Henry any sort of standing ovation or anything yeah. like that. You know, um so i found that incredibly funny
2: you know what standing ovation he would have got it's like the rick and morty episode where they go to that planet and you know clapping for someone is flipping them off yeah it's like, complete, oh yeah yeah Yeah. that's essentially what it is yeah um yeah this is i mean this is just john henry being out of touch and dumb as or it, usual. it's he, the opposite is rarely talks
1: yeah exactly the, I the, the episode you're thinking of it's the opposite it's what's the flipping people off is the one that yeah, means yeah, flipping like people off
2: is world peace
1: yeah world peace yeah. yep that's the one yep. The other comment in this too, uh, just to finish up the, the answer he had for the, the McCaffrey question, you said, these fans support the club with uh, so much passing. We were able to afford a $200 million plus payroll. Uh, they bring the magic to Fenway park before coming to Boston. I used to think the park was uh, the magic or that it resided in the history of Fenway park. But after just a few nights in 20 or uh, 2002, it was obvious to me that they, uh, it was the fans who made Fenway evenings magical. They filled up the park, with an unmatched passion. Some early on asked me why I came to Boston uh to own the socks. I replied that I wanted to work and live somewhere that every morning uh I rose. Yeah, I rose what I did would matter. Uh I sorry, I'm really struggling with this. I, uh every morning I rose makes him sound like a corpse. Well, that's what I mean. Like the way he talks, it's just incredibly difficult to read. So I mean he talks like it's like the seventeen fifties. Mm-hmm. The, to end it though, we have a great, we have had a great experience, and fans have been great. That's who we work for. Um, again, some takeaways from that: the the makes the making note of the 200 plus million dollar payroll, but it seems like his arm needs to be twisted every time we need to go near that payroll. Um, so I found that kind of disingenuous. And then we've talked about this before. Uh, I've never seen a baseball owner talk about the quote unquote glory days so much. Like 2002, obviously buying it. Um, Steve Peralt and I think Joey Capone of the ITM podcast, they were talking about this too, I heard the other day, and they took that comment a step further, um, saying, quote, even though the team payroll is still among – this is from John Henry, excuse me – even though team payroll is still among the top 10 in the league, are the Red Sox still in the same tier as organizations like the Yankees, Padres, Dodgers, and Mets? That, sorry, that question was from Jen McCaffrey. John Henry's answer – was if you add the championships together of those four clubs, I'm not sure they would match our total over the last 20 years. Uh, so, John Henry, that's, I have this in the outline. Like, Go he, ahead. He,
2: know, he knows that's not the meaning of the question. He's like, oh, wait, but we have more championships, so I'm going to ignore what the question actually wanted to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And be like, oh, we just have more championships, so it's fine. Like,
1: Well, that through. mindset right there, like I was going to say, is John Henry – after saying that should have uh, quit being the Red Sox owner and jumped over to being the owner of the New York Yankees. And he would have followed right in the footsteps of all their fans of anything that you talk about. Um, You know, maybe the Yankees stink or whatnot. And you get the, the joke response that we always go to of, Oh yeah, well we got the 27 rings. So suck on that. Like John Henry would be, would be the perfect owner of the New York Yankees talking about the glory days back. And, you know, when we were winning world series in the eighties and the nineties and stuff like that, instead of you know, focusing on, what really matters in the team in 2023 and how bad this team is, um, and just just the absolute dumpster fire that this franchise has kind of become with, with stuff like this. I mean, again, it just shows that um there's there's no direction for this. It's it's kind of ridiculous um of of how things gone. Phil Perry, John Tomasi, and Dan Shaughnessy, they're on NBC Sports Boston's early edition Monday night. They also discussed these comments. Um, one of them from John Henry saying that the Red Sox are in much better shape. This year, than they were in 2021. Of course, that 2021 season, the Red Sox, they only went to the ALCS and lost to the Astros in six games. Um, so they were coming off a postseason appearance in that, that year, this year, obviously coming in, finishing last place last year. Just for uh, a quick little note for what that 2021 team had, 39 of the 56 players who appeared at least in one game for the Red Sox in 2021. They're no longer with the team. Some of those names uh, include, of course, Xander Bogarts, J.D. Martinez, Nathan Eovaldi, Christian Vasquez, uh, our fan favorite and fan favorite as a whole, Kyle Schwarber, Hunter Renfro, Walter Rodriguez, Martin Perez, and Matt Barnes, all who have gone elsewhere, maybe with the exclusion of Barnes, because we haven't seen him, what he's done post Red Sox yet. Same thing with Martinez and Bogarts, but you can expect they're going to be good. Um, losses like that. I don't know how you can sit there and say a year where you finished two games shy of the world series comparing it to this year where there's so many questions and so you know little answers, how you can sit there and say that the Red Sox right now are in better shape than they were a year off of, you know, almost being in the world series. I mean, nothing, none of this bullshit even surprises me, dude. No. Like, It's, it's ridiculous. But again, it's, it's John Henry, like old man, just, I feel like kind of, kind of losing a little bit there, like doesn't really know what's going on. The other thing too, that I found shocking coming from the Red Sox uh, this past week was about there their chief baseball ops, and this was Sam Kennedy. He didn't help the Red Sox in, in, in his image either. This was on Monday. He gave a resounding vote of confidence about Haim Bloom's job security when asked about it. He said Haim is our chief baseball officer and we do not anticipate any changes there. I I don't know if I you know if the Red Sox finish in last place again, if you know say they do that again, are we going to sit here and go, yeah, Heim Bloom's job is still safe. You know, since getting here in 2020, he's made one The Red Sox have made one playoff appearance and they finished in last place uh, two out of the three years he's been here. You're telling me that if that happens again this year, that there doesn't need to be any sort of self-reflection and, and say like, hey, maybe this isn't the guy for us. I know the farm system, depending on who you look at and who you ask, uh, has made some strides. That's mainly what uh, what Haim was brought in here for. Maybe it's just trying to save face. Sam Kennedy trying to you know, give himself an out a little bit there. Um and maybe you know, try to get some of the blame off of Heimbloom. Bloom, but I don't know how you can sit there and say that you don't in- anticipate any sort of change, especially if things go down the toilet again this year. Like a lot of people are predicting them to,
2: yeah. You don't have to outright say, like, yeah, we're gonna do something, like, you can say, like, yeah, it's possible, mm-hmm. like, something we might look into, reconsider. we might have to yeah, come back like, to, yeah, reconsider oh, yeah. exactly. Like, to shut it down like this is just totally bullshit, like, mm-hmm. it really is. Um, but it's not surprising, so no.
1: But yeah, that's kind of what we're we're dealing with with the Red Sox right now. I mean, we're not going to get into into too much spring training stuff because the reaction and the you know fan interest in spring training. If you have watched anything or seen anything on social media, there is not a lot of it. There's not a lot of media coverage down at spring training right now. Not a lot of fans have gone down there to watch uh, the workouts. I know spring training games. I think start out this Friday with the uh, northeastern game that they usually play. But other than that, like there is not a ton to really talk about player-wise or just I feel like get a whole lot of excited for.
2: Nothing,
1: But that's nothing new. We've talked about that plenty of times with the Red Sox, of course. Yep. But, same old shit. Yeah. Same shit, different day. It's literally what you're dealing with with the Boston Red Sox, it seems like right now. And of course we've talked about it before. It's discouraging because of how far this team has fallen. But according to John Henry, he's still in those glory days and those glory years. We are currently in 2023 and he's still reminiscing about You know, his days buying the team and, you know, their their World Series wins in 2018 and their playoff games in 2021. But that's great. Yeah, that's that's not the best way to run a baseball team. And now, you know, his soccer team is still failing. He pissed off. I saw a lot of fans on Twitter that they're not going to sell Liverpool not to go into a whole, you know, soccer spiel or anything like that. But are you sure? I love soccer. I've got nothing on the outline to talk about soccer. But if you'd like to just pull stuff out of your, your, you know where, then go for it. But absolutely not yeah the sky's falling for john henry but he just doesn't seem to care he's got the blinders on and it's just kicking his feet up and enjoying life so he has too much money to care i guess so he's literally has fu money like that is yep. the definition of that
2: absolutely is mm-hmm. um on to celtics namely the all-star weekend and dunk competition i will defer to you because you know outside of mac mcclung doing something crazy i don't really know what happened
1: yeah, I mean that's that's really the whole I just was waiting obviously for the last of us to start up on Sunday night. Remember that the All-Star most of the um the festivities were Saturday, so I guess I'll start there. I'll get into the All-Star game a little later. Um but yeah, the festivities, it was kind of more the same. Like you said, other than Matt Mac McClung pretty much saving the dunk contest, which is maybe what the NBA needs to start doing, is you know, give which is crazy to say, give a G G-Leaguer a chance to to prove himself in the uh the dunk contest and see what happens because he was excellent in that um all of his dunks obviously if you missed it except for one got 50s uh did a couple of cool dunks he jumped over a guy um tapped the backboard and then did a 360 plus so i think it was like a 5 whatever it was 520 if that um for his game winning dunk that was pretty cool some of the other standout moments from the dunk contest i don't know if you saw this one on social media at least but Nick's big man Jericho Sims had the cringiest dunk i feel like you'll ever see um he tried to on this first one kind of Emulate Vince Carter with uh hanging on the rim with his elbow. Uh, but he tried to do it with both. And when he went up, he missed it with his left arm and he only got his, his left wrist in and then tried to go over. So that was kind of dumb to see. Um, and then the second one, just an absolute dork move. He brings out a sealed envelope, sticks it to the the basket or the the um the netting of the rim, does the exact same elbow dunk, grabs the um the envelope, and then when he opened it up, it said that he should get a 50 score to which like no NBA players on the sideline watching gave any sort of reaction to it. That was pretty much their reaction was like, dude, are you serious? Um, Carl Malone, same thing. Like obviously Carl Malone, absolute scumbag person, but his reaction was yeah. funny. I'm um, just kind of sitting there like, dude, are, are we serious here? Like, what, what are we, what are we doing here? Um, So Jericho Sims had the two dorkiest dunks of the night. Thankfully, like I said, Matt, and like you said too, um, from seeing on social media, Mac McClung had a, uh, uh, a pretty good night because the nba needed it the dunk contest was just pretty much on the verge of death and, and he brought it back to the uh, land of the living a little bit
2: yeah he did and just really not great by the nba to be like parading carl malone around given what he has done yeah which is not... one of the more heinous things you'll ever
1: yeah they had him sit in sitting courtside during the game I mean, obviously the game was in Utah, so they were going to get former Jazz stars. John Stockton, same thing. Um, he was there as well. He's more of a whack job, though, than a just a complete a-hole like Karl Malone is. Um, but maybe not the two best guys you want to parade around. Again, I know they're Utah Jazz related, but I don't know. You you maybe could have found some, some better former Utah Jazz representatives to be at the All-Star game. Some of the other things, three-point contest was, was up to par per usual. Damian Lillard, like he does, took it right down to the wire. Um, he beat Buddy Heald and Tyrese Halliburton, a pair of, of Pacers in the three-point contest. He knocked out Jason Tatum in the first round. That was really the one low light that Tatum had of all-star weekend as we'll get to in a little bit. And then the other thing I wanted to touch on, um, cause if anybody watched it, it was, it was tough to watch. The skills competition turned out to be the worst event of the weekend. You had team Utah, which the, the hosting city usually does. They'll have three players from their, um, their hometown team. So Jordan Clarkson, Walker Kessler, and Colin Sexton, uh, they took down team Rooks of Paolo Bonchero, Jaden Ivey, and Jabari Smith Jr. Um, and then team Giannis, which did not have, uh, sorry, team Kumpo, which did not have Giannis. Uh, it was Thanasis, Alex, and Drew Holiday, who was a, um, how did they word it? He was like a representative Kumpo for the night, replacing Giannis, who's dealing with a wrist injury. It I said it during the game, watching it. I'm like, if Giannis isn't involved, I don't want to watch any of the intent Kumpo's play. There's a reason why one of them is a glorified cheerleader in Thanasis. And the other one is a, uh, a G leaguer in Alex. Cause for a skills competition, there was not a lot of skill involved. I mean, it was tough to watch. You had, uh, one of the sections was there was a shooting section where I think the rookies made like three shots, if that. Um, so this is just me like on a soapbox pretty much like I feel like the NBA for the skills competition at least should go back to what they used to do and have, you know, player go against each other. Um, you, that, that led to some great moments like Tatum hitting the half court shot, um, when he was in it a couple of years back, uh, you had a big man, I think it might've been Carl Anthony Towns won it a couple of years ago. Um, so just go back to doing something like that. Like the, the team skills competition is dumb. It hasn't worked the last couple of seasons. Um, so just kind of change that up. But again, that's just me like old man yelling at the clouds type of thing. Uh, nothing, nothing too crazy there.
2: Yeah. Nobody, nobody cares about it at all. No. Well, that's what not a single person will care.
1: mm -hmm. Well, that was the thing too. Like, as we kind of get into transition, did you catch any of the all-star game at all at the game itself or nothing there either?
2: Twitter clips.
1: Okay. So I feel like that's, that's a lot of people share that same mindset because the NBA all-star game, a lot of people kind of get up in arms about of, you know, oh, there's no defense played or, you know, it's, it's a travesty for the game. Like I don't, I wouldn't go that far. Like it, it has some fun moments. You saw Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown dominate. They had the cool matchup at the end of the first half, um, where they tried to one up each other. Obviously, LeBron had his moments. Um, Giannis had a had a moment early in the game where he scored, took himself out because he was hurt. It, it's it's just for fun. Like I don't know understand why so many people were up in arms after. Like oh, this is terrible for the game. Like they need to get away from the All Star Game. Like nobody plays defense in it. This is it's been this way for years. Like I don't know why we can't just sit here and enjoy watching these players try to one up each other and just, you know, go out there and, and play pickup basketball. I thought the, cause they changed it this year with the way they drafted the teams, they drafted it like pickup park style beforehand. I thought that was cool. Um, that led to some entertaining moments. I'm sure you saw it on Twitter that Giannis during the reserves round of the draft, he tried drafting John Brand, who was a starter. That led to some laughs. Um, you had Nikola Jokic, who was the second to last player drafted, which is crazy to think of the, you know, two-time MVP walking triple double was the second to last guy drafted in the all-star draft. Um, He didn't even give LeBron the chance to pass him up. He kind of walked down to him and put himself on his own team. So that was kind of cool. The other thing too, that I found kind of funny, I don't know if you saw this, but leading up to it, the reason why they drafted the reserves first is the NBA wanted to get away from the uh, last pick label of, Basically, I think it came down to not hurting guys' feelings that you were the last pick in the, the All-Star draft, which I don't know why we're even caring about that to begin with. Um, but the funny thing I found about that was is when LeBron drafted Jaron Jackson Jr. as his last pick in the second, or in the first round, he labeled him as, this is my last pick of this round. And then Giannis did the same exact thing for Laurie Markkinen at the end of the, um, the starters round. So I don't know what the NBA was going for there. Like I said, to be like, oh, we need to not label these guys as the last pick in the NBA draft, because um, like I said, we might have some feelings hurt. See, didn't work. Didn't work out. Someone is always going to be the last pick. You have, oh, I said draft of,
2: you have to draft of two players. The yeah, second exactly. player is the last pick.
1: Oh, it's, it's that's how it's going to go in the All Star draft anyway. I said it to my dad the other day. I'm like, if somebody's feelings are really getting hurt, like give the guy a car. Isn't that what the NHL drafted? Like any the last guy yeah. was drafted. Yep. Just, give the guy like a, a Hummer or something or like a convertible. They get
2: like a Ford focus. That's yeah. What it it's is. something,
1: but like... I mean, they give cars to the, the MVPs of the event Tatum, I think got a car and he was going to give it to Jalen Brown. I thought I saw on Twitter. So just do the same thing. If anybody's feelings are that hurt that they were the last pick in the draft. Um, Cause again, it doesn't really matter. It's the all-star draft. I saw a great comment where someone was like, Oh, sorry, we're making the 24th best player in the NBA, you know, feel bad about being the last pick in an all-star draft. Cause it really yeah. matters. So that was, like I said, kind of funny to see. Um, as a whole, though, like I said, I think the NBA should stick with the the pregame draft. I thought that was cool. They need to figure out their audio, though, because um, just watching it live, they heard Ernie Johnson try to do the draft. And for some reason, they never cut, or at least for the first couple picks, never cut Chuck, Kenny, or Shaq's mic. So you could just hear them talking in the background. Um, so that was a little annoying. But other than that, I thought it was a good event. Like I said, you got to see um, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown dominate. Uh, Just from Celtics ties, Tatum, of course, broke Anthony Davis's all-time point record or in-game, sorry, point record. Uh, He won the All-Star Game MVP. Like I said, the first quarter, anything LeBron did, you know, he threw a ball off the backboard and dunked it to himself, Tatum did the exact same thing trying to one-up him. So that was pretty cool too. And then I saw it on Twitter too. I think the last couple of NBA title winners, uh, Giannis two years ago, Steph Curry last year, won All-Star MVP. And then their team went on to win uh, the MV or the, um, NBA finals. So maybe that's something to keep an eye on. Tatum wins MVP. He's got one down, uh, two more to go with obviously MVP of the league, as you predicted in the, uh, the, uh, the preseason, and then maybe a, uh, a finals MVP as well to, uh, to put under his belt as well. So.
2: There you have it. Might just happen. Who knows? It's a, it's but... a decent omen. Mm-hmm. But yeah. It was awesome to see them combined for 90 points. I mean, I didn't watch the game, but you know, looking at the stats, looks like there was some, you know, funny uh, moments back and forth between each other to being on a different teams. So yep. at least there was that and something that was uh, cool, I guess, from All-Star Weekend. Yeah. Like
1: I said, maybe sports, it's it
2: pretty much sucks besides baseball. baseball pretty much. Sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like to me, like, I don't know how you can really change the NBA. I know the NHL, they changed theirs for the better. I think everyone agrees the three on three. Um yeah that structure is much better. The NFL obviously is trying to change the pro ball game a little bit. The NFL um, should
2: just have nothing. I'm sorry. Like I just, I just don't think it works for football. Yeah. There's
1: some people, I think that my dad's the same way. He said the same thing, like just abolish the all-star game. He said it across all sports. Cause he didn't really see the, the need for any of the games. They don't the games. Don't mean anything anymore. Um, yeah. But like, I like this one, I, Again, I don't really care that there's no defense being played. It's a bunch of superstar NBA players that are going out and playing a pickup game. Like that's I feel like that's how it's supposed to be. There's really no way you can change how the game is structured. Like you're not going to make guys play defense in the the um the All-Star game. I know Shaquille Gill just had Alexander in his post-game talking about it. He was a little upset that LeBron the one dunk he went up for LeBron. I think blocked him on it. So there was a little bit of defense played there, but you know, you have moments like I like you said too. Tatum and Brown going one on one at the end of the the first half, and Brown hits a three over him. Tatum trying to play defense, he gave him the two small taunt. Tatum hit a three over Brown, trying to play defense on him, and gave him the kiss of death taunt for the three. So you have moments where you know guys, if their teammates going up against each other, cool moments like that. But again, I saw a, a decent amount of people that were like, "Oh, these All Star game, this All Star game stinks. Like we need to get rid of it." Like I don't know if you can really change the NBA All Star game up that much. The skills competition and stuff like that. I think you can definitely tweak a little bit to try to make better and more enjoyable to watch. But the all-star game as a whole, like it is what it is. Like guys are going to yeah. go out there, and just kind of goof around, which I'm fine with. I don't really care that much. Yeah. Guys aren't trying to get hurt either. Like that's exactly. Yeah. It
2: with all-star games, but yeah,
1: that's, I mean, like I said, Giannis, he was dealing with a wrist injury, came out, hit a, had a dunk on his first like 20 seconds of possessing the ball and then took himself out and never played again. LeBron hurt himself um, going up for a block. I uh, jammed his hand in the rim. He took himself out and never played again. So like the guys, these guys know that they're not going out there and trying to do anything too crazy. Um, they're just going out there obviously to have fun and enjoy the moment stuff like that. So I'm not going to get too, I know obviously we've, we spent a lot of time talking about it, but I'm not going to get too worked up about, uh, you know, what needs to be changed in the all-star game or if it's even worth, you know, tuning into.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm on the same, uh, the same track as you. So. Okay. That's really about it. I don't really have much else to add. Um, that is going to wrap it up for episode 131 of the Savage and Karate Sports Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. You can follow me at Mike underscore Karate. You can follow Ryan at Ryan underscore Savage. And you can follow the show at Selling Karate Pod. I posted a TikTok for the first time in forever. So go check that out on the page. Just throw our name into the search bar. Um, you can find us wherever you find your podcast. So, you know, explore The options you need to if you're new or old. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Depending on, I might have something for work, but hopefully not. But if that's the case, we'll try to reschedule sometime that week. Uh, But we'll keep you posted on Twitter, so follow along there. And um, stay safe, stay healthy, be nice to people, all that good stuff. And we'll talk to you next week. Peace out